0: Take your Bibles and turn to First Samuel. First Samuel, chapter three. First Samuel, chapter number three. Anybody need a lesson this morning? If you do, the Colton has them back there. Uh, we're lesson, We're finishing up today, lesson number nine, the journey to Shiloh this morning, lesson number nine, 1 Samuel chapter three, starting in verse one, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could no longer see. And there the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. But the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran into Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou dost call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet received unto him, revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child, therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, that which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever." For the iniquity, iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons make made themselves vile, and he restraineth them not. Let's pray together. Lord, we, we come this morning needing help, needing to hear from heaven. Lord, we have many needs as your people gathered here this morning. Lord, many different needs on every heart and every life. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that your word holds hope, that your word holds the answer, and that it is our life. And Lord, I pray you'd use your word this morning mightily. God, would you help me to teach you write your truth? Lord, I pray that you would apply it by your spirit in every heart and every life, Lord, that you would meet every need. Lord, as we look at this journey of faith, the journey to Shiloh, as we think of Samuel, Young Samuel's journey of growing in his faith. Lord, I pray that we would not just be excited to see what Samuel did. But God, may we desire to grow in our faith. God, may we desire to walk by faith. Help us, Lord. Help me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We've been looking now for several months at this series that is a journey of faith. And as I've mentioned several times, we're not speaking about a journey to faith. Uh, some of you, when you first heard the gospel, uh, you had a difficult time processing the truth or believing the truth or receiving the truth of the gospel. Uh, but the moment that you believed the gospel, you were born again. And I praise God for that. I praise God that I had, there's nothing I could do. All I could do was believe and receive the gospel but the moment you got saved, the moment I became a new creature in Christ, God had a new walk for you and a new walk for me. And that is a walk of faith. The Bible says that anything that is not of faith is sin. And this morning as we continue, as we, as we conclude this lesson, lesson number nine, as we look at that walk of faith I want us to be challenged, I want us to be thinking how our walk, whether it be by faith or by sight, whether it be by faith or by flesh, whether it be by faith or by popular opinion. And we see here, and I'm going to cover some ground we've covered the last couple weeks to get to the point we want to look at this morning. We, We see here the story of young Samuel, the record of Samuel as a young man in the tabernacle serving Eli the priest, God calling him, him going to Eli, God coming, him coming back, and we see all of that. And we see God speaking here to Samuel as well, and we see some things about this. understand Samuel was a young man who was given to the Lord. Christian, can I ask you a question this morning? Do you belong to the Lord? I, I'm. I'm not saying, are you his as as a Christian? I'm saying, have you relinquished your claim? You know, so often we want to hold on to that which is not ours, which is our life. I found this last week, early this week, I believe it was, in a Bible, in my, upstairs in a, a box. I've got all my books stacked, waiting for uh, my reading room and stuff to be done eventually up there. I found several old Bibles that I went through. I found the Bible uh, where I wrote down the first soul that I won to Christ. I uh, found several things in some wonderful, some old Bibles I had as a boy. I found the Bible I had as a young boy when I got saved. I found the Bible I, I had when I was a young teenager when I surrendered to preach. And I found one of the Bibles I found was a Bible that I had in my first year in Bible college. And the fly leaf of that Bible... I found the date, it was August, I believe it was August 19th, 1994. And beside of that date, in the fly leaf of that Bible, I wrote down, and I remember very vividly the day, I wrote down, I decided that I would go wherever God wanted me to go in service and ministry. I remember God dealing with my heart as I bowed my knee, not at an, old, not at an altar of a service at an altar call, but just by myself, I bowed my knee and I said, Lord, i you have a blank check. Whatever you want, I'll do. Christian, I believe every one of us need to have that moment in our life where we realize that we belong to the Lord. Or whatever God wants is the best for our life. That was Samuel's law. Samuel's parents led him that direction. And we see as we looked a few weeks ago, and I want to give you this if you missed it in your notes, we see the calling of Samuel. God had provided a son that had been prayed for by Hannah. And Hannah gave her son back to the Lord, gave him to minister in the temple. And we see letter A in our notes. We see the hearing of Samuel. Samuel was sleeping and he heard God calling him. I'll share a very pertinent illustration with you. Uh, Josh and Rebecca, uh, Rebecca's in class, Josh is near somewhere. Uh, Josh and Rebecca went up Friday night to go moose hunting. And they stayed in a tent. And Rebecca, Josh, told me she went to sleep. She was out of it. She was sleeping. Nothing bothered her. And Josh heard a a bull moose walking around, banging trees, knocked a tree over near their camp. And Josh didn't get any sleep. (laughs) He said he was up half the night uh, just waiting for this moose to bust out of the clearing to tear their tent apart and uh, now they got revenge on him. They killed him the next morning. But that that moose was pushing trees over and making noise, and uh, Josh heard it. Rebecca didn't hear it. She didn't care. Can I tell you that we see the calling of Samuel here? We see his hearing. He heard the Lord. Can I tell you? Many of us we don't hear because we don't want to hear we don't hear the Lord speaking because we're it's not convenient to hear the Lord speaking we develop uh, selective hearing we hear what we want to hear we we listen to what we want to listen to we pay attention to what we want to pay attention to and Christian as we think of of uh, Samuel, and we're going to go beyond here this morning, but I want you to think about the fact that Samuel had a, a hearing in tuned to the word of the Lord, to God's voice. They make a, a whistle we call a dog whistle. And, you know, if I blew that dog whistle up here this morning, none of you would hear it because our ears, our ears can't hear that pitch. But if I took that same whistle home and I blew it in my house, my dog would go crazy. Because he's in tune. He can hear it. Christian, we need to be in tune to the hearing of God. We see the the hearing of Samuel here. But not only that, I I gave this to you a couple weeks ago. We see the holiness of God. And may we never forget God's holiness. May, May we never try to lower God's holiness to match our humanity. Now, can I tell you that Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us, but he did not turn in. God did not give up holiness to become flesh. Jesus was perfect. He was holy. He was sinless. He was spotless. And can I tell you, we see the holiness of God here in this passage in the calling uh, of Samuel. The Bible says in verse 12, in that day God said, I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make an end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli, the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. I remember. A home in Chicago that I went into. The mother was from West Virginia. She dropped out of school, I think, when she was 12 or 13 years of age. I can't remember the story, but she ended up in Chicago. And she married a, or not, I don't even know if they were married, she lived with and had children with a man who was from Cambodia. He was a a gangbanger. He was a a druggie, a street thug. They lived together. Neither one of them had an education probably past grade 6 or grade 7. And they had several children. I met them in the spring of 1994. And I was able to bring their children to church. And I was able to lead the mother to Christ, and several of the children got saved. and Just a transformation happened there in that family. But I remember the first time I, I had been in the home many times. I'd come in the home. I was there often. I noticed in that home it was the dirtiest home I'd ever been in. Not because they were bad people, because they'd just never really been taught how to keep things clean well. And a mother who had lots of kids and didn't really know how to care for all the needs, and it was a struggle. And I had been inside the home many times, and I was there one day, and it was, it was the kind of home that even if your, your house is a bit dirty, you would have thought, wow, this is pretty bad. And, as I was there one day visiting the duty family, I said, "I had to use the washroom and i asked i said could i could I use your washroom?" and they said, "Oh, of course you can go here and I walked into the room and I looked at the bathtub. The bathtub had things growing in it, and i don't I don't mean that they had put soil in it, and they had We're growing a garden. I mean, the bathtub had not been used probably in three or four years. And there literally was formations of mold and things growing inside of it. And I remember I walked in that bathroom. And I stayed in a few minutes because I didn't want them to think that I (laughs) didn't use their bathroom. But, Brother Mike, I didn't touch anything i stood there and i pulled my sleeve down and i turned the knob and i walked out and i went and found another bathroom somewhere because even as a bathroom it was so disgusting that i i couldn't use it my heart broke for that family praise the lord my wife and i were able to help do many things for that dear family But I tell that story to let you know that when we think of our life, we think our life is pretty good. We think of ourselves as being pretty holy. But a holy and a perfect God, when he sees our life, would be more repulsed than I was by that bathroom. Now that doesn't mean that as believers we don't have the righteousness of Christ. We do. But I want you to understand that God is holy. God is not for us trying to dumb down the gospel or soften the holiness of God and the gospel. We need to understand who God is, how righteous, how holy he is. That's why the gospel is needful, because man is hopelessly lost without Christ. But we see in the calling of Samuel, we see the holiness of God revealed. God made a proclamation against Eli. He stated his purpose for Samuel. And we're going to get to that purpose in just a little bit. Now, Eli was old. His sons had fallen away. His sons were doing wickedness before the Lord. And Eli somehow got to the point where either he just got weary or he got to where he didn't care. What we do know is his sons, who should have been serving the Lord, who should have been living holy lives, who should have been ministering unto the Lord, understand they were the line of Levi. Yet they profaned themselves, they brought wickedness on the nation. The Bible says that his sons lay with the women in the door of the tabernacle. Understand the wickedness that was going on. And Eli the priest said nothing. It was normal to him. I don't know how he got there. When I went in that washroom years ago, they didn't say to me, Oh, Brother Brian, just so you know, the bathroom is really dirty. They didn't say that. Why? Because it was normal to them. Christian, we see the holiness of God, which needs to be reminded. Eli had forgotten God's holiness. He had got away from the holiness of God. And we see in the calling of Samuel, God's holiness. Number two in your notes, and I gave this to you last week, but I want to get you caught up. I got some things I want to give you this morning as we finish out this lesson. We see the cleansing of the people. The cleansing of the people. One of Samuel's first great acts as a leader after the death of Eli. And I mentioned to you last week, letter A, there was a conventional, I'm sorry, a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant. First Samuel chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. And it came to pass when the ark abode in Kir, uh, Kirjath-Jerim. That the time was long, for it was twenty years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and all from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. We see God giving a conditional covenant here. How many of you remember when your your parents remember when your little children began to feed themselves and you didn't have to feed them anymore? Do you remember that? Wasn't that a great day, Brother Royce? I know you're not quite there yet with uh, your youngest, but uh, you'll be there maybe 20 years from now. And how many of you know when kids feed themselves? they get messier than Pastor Rice. I mean, they get food seemingly everywhere except in their mouth. I mean, it just, it's on their head, it's in their face, it's in their clothes, it's on their hands, it's in their ear. Uh, I remember seeing our girls feeding themselves just last week, Josh, I saw Rebecca, she had it all over her field, and they get it on themselves. Rebecca, I think, was the messiest of all my girls. It still holds true, but I remember one particular day we had a meal, and I don't remember what we ate, but after the meal, Rebecca had food. I mean, it was everywhere, and I commented on how filthy she was, and my wife, my loving wife, who would never do anything to harm me, said to Rebecca, why don't you go give daddy a big hug and a kiss? And she got out of the chair. She was going to come give me a hug and a kiss. And me being the horrible father that I am, definitely not winning father of the year, I said, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. Don't Don't you get near me. You go wash your face, wash your hands, then you can come back and give me a hug and a kiss. So she ran to the bathroom, went to wash her hands, washed her face. She came back. Josh, she was just as dirty when she came back as she was when she went. And I, whoa, whoa, whoa. And my wife is laughing. My wife's like, oh, give daddy a hug. Give daddy a kiss. Go grab a hold of daddy and get away from me. Now, some of you are like, pastor, what's wrong with you? Man, I don't mind reaching in a a moose and ripping out its liver and its heart and getting blood all over me. I don't mind getting in the mud and getting mud on me, but I don't want kid food smeared on my face. I was like, hey, get clean and then give me a hug. Now, we understand that, and she had to, we had to teach her how to, we haven't done a good job, but we tried to teach her how to wash her hands and wash her face and, uh, so she could do that. Christian, we see the first thing here that God gives his people through Samuel after the passing of Eli the priest is a conditional covenant. What's the covenant? The Lord looks at his people and says to Samuel, tell them, clean yourself. Clean yourself. Put away your false gods. Put away Astaroth. And when you've done that, the Bible says here in that covenant, that promise, I will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. This covenant was formed because the Ark of the Covenant had been kept in Kirjath jerim for 20 years. The Bible says the people lamented for 20 years. They cried out to God for 20 years. They were upset and they wanted God to redeem them. Judges 13 and verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. You see, God was working on his people. God brought them to a place where they would turn to him. How many of you have ever tried to take off a bolt out of something and the bolt wouldn't budge? You ever been there before? How many have ever got the torch out when that happened? You know, you try the wrench, it doesn't work. You try the socket, it doesn't work. You try the socket on the breaker bar, that doesn't work. You try the socket uh, with a breaker bar and a long piece of pipe on it, and it still doesn't work. Then you break out the torch. (laughs) And then you heat that sucker up. And you heat it up and heat it up and heat it up, and you pray, Uh, Dear Lord, don't let it snap in half when I try to take it off. As you you try to get it to a point and spray it maybe with some penetrating oil and let it cool and heat it and cool it and finally try to get it loose to break that bond. God was heating up his people. God allowed the nation, the people of the Philistines, to bring them and heat them to a point where they were ready And we see here that Samuel gives God's people the conditional covenant that God gave to him. What was it? The covenant was Israel had to return to the Lord with all their heart. They had to put away the strange gods and Astaroth from among them. And they had to prepare their hearts and the Lord to serve him. I saw this last weekend, I believe it was, a dear friend of mine. We went to Bible college together. He pastors in Hemet, California. He's a good man. I believe it was 20, I can't remember how many years he's been pastoring, but the church honored him there 20-some years, 20 years, I think, maybe 23, 20-something. But before he was a pastor, back when we were in Bible college together years and years and years ago, my friend Kirk he's a short fella he's about he's about this tall just a short fella but real stocky guy he was a he was a wrestler and real strong just but a short strong guy he always wanted to wrestle me and he would get mad at me because he would he would shoot my brother Gerald to try to take me down and I would reach out and grab the back of his pants and pick him up off the ground It made him really mad, Brother Krim, Uh, because I could literally with one hand pick him up and keep him away from me, and one night, I can't remember what happened. It was late on a Sunday night after church. We were taking folks home to Chicago. It was after everything was done, before we headed back to college. Somehow, I ripped my pants, just kind of not a real bad rip, but just a bit of a rip of my pants, and it was just men there. There were no ladies, and we were getting back on the bus and kirk my buddy noticed that my pants were ripped and i was trying to keep my pants together and and of course you know when you're 18 years old you know yeah you, you have to harass each other and so he's a wrestler so he's he's trying to grab my pant leg and rip it What kind of of Christian is that? Uh, Every time he would shoot, try to grab my leg, I'd toss him away from me. And he's a strong little guy, great and phenomenal wrestler. But I would toss him away. I was a little stronger back then. And he kept after it and kept after it. And finally, I said, Kirk, that's enough. He said, okay, I'll stop. And he turned around to walk away I put my guard down, and he spun, and in one motion, grabbed my, the whole pant leg came all the way off. (laughs) You know, I I was like, you know, Daisy Duke shorts this side, long pants this side. I'm pulling my pant leg up, and I'm walking around like, I'm going to kill you, but I couldn't because I was holding my pants because I was about naked. Uh, But he said, I'll quit. (laughs) I, I won't do it anymore. I'll stop lied. Now God, if God were the one there, God would have said to him, I know your heart. You may say you're going to stop, but you're not going to stop. God's people here, this conditional covenant, it wasn't just that they had to say, okay, God, I'll stop. God said, you have to prepare your heart. You have to put away the false gods. It was a conditional covenant for God's people here that God gave to Samuel. And then we see a call for help. Look at 1 Samuel 7, verse 8, I believe you have it printed there in your notes. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, but he will save us out of the land of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering wholly unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder that day and discomfited them until they repented and came. Oh, uh, and the Philistines and discomfited them and they were smitten before Israel. Now, before Samuel sacrificed a sucking lamb, before Samuel prayed to God for the people, God's people turned from their sin. They prepared their heart to serve the Lord. And we see as Samuel is making sacrifice in the midst of the service to the Lord, the Philistines came against him. Samuel didn't go and do battle. God's people didn't go and fight. The Bible says God fought for them. God with thunder and lightning discomfited the Philistines. Why? Because God heard the prayer of his people. And we see the deliverance here. Uh, we see that uh, in uh, the call for help. Let her be there. Uh, the call for help. God answered that call. They realized they needed God's help. And they called out, and God was there to answer. Number three in your notes here are new notes this morning where I wanted to get to. And we see this this morning as we conclude this lesson. We see the concern, the concern of Samuel. As time went on, the people demanded a king so they could be like other nations. The demand was a cause for a great concern for the heart of Samuel. Christian, let me help you with something. We make a serious mistake when we want to be like the world. In whatever aspect of our life, when we seek to make the church like the world, we make a serious mistake. When we seek our families to be like the world, we make a serious mistake. When we seek for our life to fit in smoothly in this world system, we make a mistake. God's people said, we want to be like everybody else. We want a king. Everybody has a king. We don't have a king. We want a king. Now, think about the slap in the face to God that was. As God in heaven said, I'm I'm your king. No, we don't want you, God. God. We want, we want a man. We want a real king. That was a concern to Samuel. Why? Because Samuel saw the, the temperature of the spirituality of the people. I bought a car once. That when I bought it, I knew it was a bad idea. How many of you have ever done something and you knew when you did it, it was a bad idea? It was one of those moments that I, I knew as I was doing it, This is a mistake, but stupidly, I did it anyway. Sometimes we do that. And I bought a car that had a bad history. A bad history with that vehicle, that particular vehicle, that particular engine was notorious for blowing head gaskets. It was a GM uh, 2.3 liter quad four. It was the little Grand Am, Pontiac Grand Am I bought for my wife. She loved the car because of the color of the car. My wife knows cars, but that's a green car. She liked the green car. And I got the car, and I decided I could get it because it had a temperature gauge. Not, how, many, how many of you know what a dummy light is? A dummy light is, you know, you don't have no gauges. It's all of a sudden, a light pops on that says, uh, game over, you lose. It uh, didn't just have a dummy light it actually had a temperature gauge, so when you were driving the vehicle, you could watch the temperature gauge, you know, cold to hot, and you could check it. Well, most of the time when a car blows a head gasket, it happens because the car overheats. And so I thought I'll be okay because I'll never let the car overheat. And if that car never overheats, it'll never blow a head gasket. I watched that gauge every time I drove that car. Never overheated, not one time. But it still blew a head gasket. Samuel was watching the temperature gauge of the hearts of the people. And Samuel realized the people here desiring a king was a bad sign. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 8 verse 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Letter A in your notes this morning, we see the people refused. The people refused the hand of the Lord. The people refused the hand of the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 8, it says, when Jacob... Was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord. And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, and brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against him. The children of Israel had forgotten the Lord their God. He'd forgotten, they'd forgotten the mighty acts and what God had done for them. They'd forgotten the goodness of God, they'd forgotten the holiness of God. Samuel reminded them, he reminded the people of the one who had sent them their human leaders. The people said, oh, how about Moses and Aaron and all those folks? And Samuel said, hey, don't forget. It was God. It was God who raised up those men. It was God who led you through those men. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Aaron. It wasn't Abraham. It was the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Aaron. Samuel also reminded Israel when they were right with God, a judge was sent to help them. You look in the book of Judges, you find the people did that which is right in their own eyes, and they went away from the Lord. God brought judgment upon them until they said, God, we need you. And God brought a judge, God brought them out, and they served the Lord until they said, no, we want to go this way. They turned away from the Lord. God brought judgment on them until they turned and cried to the Lord and God brought another judge to bring them out. We see that picture in the book of Judges. Yet the people refused. They refused the hand of the Lord in their lives. 1 Samuel 12, 12. And when ye saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, ye said unto me, Nay. But a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Powerful words by the prophet Samuel. He said to them, God is your king. But you've refused him. You've rejected him. Christian, can I tell you many times we reject our king? Many times we reject the one who is sovereign in our lives and holy in our lives. That doesn't mean he's not the king. It means we reject him. By the way, I can't make God the Lord and king of my life. He is the Lord. I I don't vote on that. I don't get to place him in that position. He is the Lord. He is the king. But oftentimes I fail to recognize his lordship. Oftentimes, I fail to recognize his kingship and his sovereignty in my life. God's people did that. We see letter B in our notes. Saul replaced. Saul replaced the order of the Lord. Look in verses 8 through 12 of 1 Samuel 13. I think you have it printed there in your notes. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed. And that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mishmash. Therefore said, I, the Philistines, will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made supplication of the Lord. I forced, notice the phrase, I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Can I tell you what Samuel was concerned about came to fruition The people said, we don't want God to be our king. We want another king. Can I tell you what King Saul did? King Saul said, I want all of God's jobs. I want to be the king and I want to be the prophet and I want to be the priest. And he said, I'll make sacrifice. God's people took away what belonged to God and placed what belonged to God on a man. And that man who began to serve the Lord eventually got to the place where he went away from the Lord and tried to steal that which was the Lord. We see that Saul trying to replace the Lord. God gave Israel their request for a king and Saul became the first earthly king of Israel. In 1 Samuel 13, we see a few years into, into his reign that Saul made a horrible mistake. Then he chose to usurp the priesthood. I'm going to share an illustration with you this morning. Philip Brooks, a famous pastor of the last century, was in his office. Pacing the floor and frustrated. You ever been there? Somebody walked in and saw him and said, What's the matter, Pastor? What's wrong? And he said these words. I'm in a hurry and God isn't. I'm in a hurry and God isn't. Boy, that capsulizes a lot of our life. We get frustrated with God because God doesn't move on our timetable. God's in a hurry or we're in a hurry and God isn't. God has an order. God has a method. God has a plan. You see, man doesn't get to decide what God does. Man doesn't get to take God's place. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in the other, for there is none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need to determine, Christian, this morning, that we won't make the same mistakes all made. There are many areas of our life that so often we try to creep in or we don't belong in God's area. I was telling Dave this morning when I was, my wife and I were a few years married. We had a dog. Her name was Cinnamon. She was a chow, mongrel mix and I don't know what she was. She was mainly chow, but I think only the Lord knows how many different breeds were part of that dog. She was a sweet dog. And she lived in the house. We put her outside uh, when we were gone. And as winter came on, I told Carrie, I said, we need to get some, some straw or some hay, build a bit of a doghouse. So when she's outside, now granted, she loved the cold. She, she had fur about that long. Uh, but I said, just to make sure we have a warm place. And there were some hay bales, straw bales, out in a field. And the guy told me I could have them. And I went and got them, and I carried them, and I put them up against my house. Now, my house was a 1961 mobile home, trailer home. Walls were about that thin. And it was old. <laughs> it was not a palace, Brother Gerald. It was, uh, it was what it was. And what I did not know is that living inside of those bales was a whole family of mice. And it was getting cold. And those mice were smarter than most people. They went, hey, what are we doing living out here? Let's move in next door. They got in my house. I mean, there were mice everywhere. We'd lay in bed at night, and you could hear them running all over. I mean, it was insane. I put traps out. I told Dave if I I thought a nuclear bomb would have helped, I'd have used a nuclear bomb. I had glue traps. I know that's inhumane, and I loved hearing them scream. Uh, I put glue traps out. I put snap traps out. I put decon out, rat poison out. Uh, I thought about getting a shotgun and waiting in the dark to shoot them. They were everywhere. I didn't want them in my house. They didn't belong in my house. I had to get rid of them. Christian, you don't belong in God's place. We don't belong in God's place. We don't belong taking what God's place belongs to Him and intruding in like Saul did. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, the Bible says, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. By the way, Christian, when we try to get in God's place, we do foolishly. Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept which the Lord commanded thee. Christian, we need to be careful to keep that which God's commanded us. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ends there way, thereof are the way of death. Our neighbors to the south, the United States, received a gift. From France, a gift of the Statue of Liberty in 1876. That statue, that gift from France to the United States 150 years ago, serves as a symbol of freedom, liberty to the immigrants who enter New York's harbor. However, there are very few people who know that from November 22nd, 1886, until March 1st, 1902, the Statue of Liberty was not only a beacon to welcome immigrants into New York's harbor, but it was also an operational lighthouse, a lighthouse. Ships were guided by that silent, steady light of Lady Liberty's torch. That torch stood far above the sea. Her nine electric arcs could be seen for 24 miles off the coast. A lighthouse is often built in a desolate place. Out-of-the-way places. They serve with purpose. They serve with consistency and diligence. A lighthouse is designed to withstand the worst weather, the worst storms, and to keep on shining. The light shines quietly and constantly. Christian, through your journey of faith, may we be lighthouses for the Lord Jesus Christ. May we shine. Samuel stood and held up the Word of God as a beacon. In a nation that was turning from God, a nation that rejected God, Samuel lifted up the light of the Word of God by faith He said, I want you to see the way of God. Samuel couldn't turn the people, but Samuel could show them the way. Christian, our job is to show the way. Our job is to show the way by our actions, by our words, by our testimony. Samuel relinquished all of his perceived rights and desires to follow God for what he wanted for God's journey. Christian, would we be willing to walk the path God gives us? Would we be willing to be used of God to lift up His word to our friends, to our families, to our city? to our province, to our country, and to the world to shine forth that which is right, that which is holy, that which is godly, and point people to our Savior. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you for your perfect word. Lord, how privileged we are this morning as speakers of the English language to have your holy word perfect and preserved in our language, in the King James Bible. Lord, I'm so thankful that I have every word. Lord, you tell us that man needs every word. Lord, we have every word today. And Lord, as we open this every word book, your perfect preserved word, Lord, we see the challenge the challenge to stand, the challenge, Lord, to go on by faith, the challenge, Lord, to obey God rather than men, the challenge to stand against the current of the world, against pop culture, against what is accepted in our culture and society today, and rather to let your word be our guide, our standard, our boundary. Lord, as we think of Samuel, Samuel who was concerned about a nation going away from God. Lord, I'm concerned this morning about our country. I'm concerned this morning about many who have forgotten God, many who have forgotten the holiness of God. Lord, I pray that we would walk diligently, we would walk by faith, and we would stand firm on truth. Lord, would you bless us this morning? Lord, I pray you be with those traveling yet to be here. Lord, I pray for those that are ill this morning, several folks that are out sick. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. Lord, I pray you be with visitors, Lord, that may be here today. Lord, you'd meet their needs. Lord, may your will be done throughout the rest of this day. May you receive the glory in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.